Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, my fine friends. Welcome to another edition of Raha Lastapa, this week with the fantastic and multi-talented Andy Osho. Look, we're doing some Rahalastapas live in a theatre with an actual physical audience in May, June and July at the Clapham Grand. Go to richardherring.com slash gigs to find the dates and the ticket links. If you can't make the theatre or if it sells out because it will be social distance, so it won't be a capacity venue, um, you can pay to see the live streams of those shows as well. If you can't afford to pay, they will ultimately be released as podcasts, but... Maybe with some stuff edited out, if you want the live fun and joy of all the goss, watch them live, either in the theatre or at home, richardherring.com slash gigs. I'll be announcing the guests as soon as I get them. First of all, it will go to the monthly badges, gofasterstripe.com slash badges. Uh, you'll get, that's just one of the many benefits and extras and gifts you get for being a monthly badger, £3 a month, and uh, you'll be helping us make more podcasts as well. And what else? I'm feeling quite well. Uh, this is slightly out of order, so this was actually recorded uh, before the Dominic Diamond one, but uh, yeah, there may be some confusion about where I am in my long process in my difficult fight against cancer. Been pimpsy. 
<laughs> Thank you very much, the NHS. Uh, I've been extremely lucky. Uh, do keep checking your bits, everyone. Do keep checking them. It's Testicular Cancer Month, Awareness Month. I, You know, I was made aware of it quite uh, brutally uh, this year, so I don't need a month myself, but maybe you do. Check all your bits. Stick your finger up your ass. You know, it's fun. If nothing else, it's fun. I don't know what you're looking for up there, but, um, you know, you can give it a go. Um, we're carrying on with Twitch on uh, Mondays. Usually we've got a snooker, Wednesdays, Rahalastapas, and Thursdays. Twitch of Fun, which is a lot of fun. It's got fun in the title, and uh, I'm very much enjoying those. Come and see those things for free if you would like. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahalastapa with Andy Osho. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who's a bona fide legend of lockdown. It's Richard Herring. Hello. Welcome to... Look, I'm a legend of lockdown. Hooray, I'm a legend. That makes up for losing a testicle. So welcome to Richard Herring's uh, lovely standard telegraphing patriotism. Uh, That's behind me. A standard is another word for flag. And I'm just proving that I'm proud to be British because it's very important to prove that right now. And I don't think anyone's got a bigger flag than that. So I am the best. Uh, but I was hanging around with the crew of the Ever Given container ship on the Suez Canal this week. I bet them they couldn't go all the way up the canal sideways. They took the bet on. They were great lads. I don't know how they got on. Um, uh, anyway, they call it Rahalastapa. So I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, thank you to everyone for voting for me and for that Chortle Award. Um, that's very lovely. I do deserve it. And I'm delighted that Chris Evans, not that one, is not included in the award. <laughs> he does not deserve it. He's done nothing. Nothing! So um, I'd like to give him my own award. But, you know, I can't be bothered to sort it out. So, um, yes, look... Um, Look, thank you for all the concern about my health as well. Uh, nearly, I mean, I'm going to be talking about this a lot, okay? So <laughs> strap in. It's, it's going to be on my mind for a while. There's going to be a stand-up show. There's going to be a podcast. There's going to be a book. There's going to be a sitcom about it. It's going to. It's all going to happen. Um, so, you know, skip through this if you, if you don't want to hear about my <laughs> bollocks. But I, I'm nearly back to normal, though. It's four weeks to the day since the operation, as we're recording this, and my ball is yet to grow back, which I am a bit concerned about. Uh, people are always talking about growing some balls, being manly. Uh, it's uh, Let's put up that graphic. Have I got the right one? Uh, oh, it's not gone on. Oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, this kind of quite unpleasant, actually... You can buy a thing saying "grow your balls, don't be a pussy." That's what I'm talking about. It's like that horrible idea that somehow masculinity is uh, contained and strength is contained within these weakest fucking things that you could possibly <laughs> ever imagine. Um, don't be a pussy. What's stronger than a pussy? Nothing is stronger than a pussy either. And I'm thinking about the cats, uh, but also the other kind of pussies is better. Uh, it seems I'm uh, too uh, so unmacho. I can't even grow one ball. People and and presumably all those tough men out there grow multiple balls. Uh, some grow some balls certainly implies more than a couple. Presumably they had two to start with, so they're walking around with scrotums bulging with testes. And however much I hold my breath and push my diaphragm, still just one rattling around there like a hermit crab in an oversized shell. Um, 
maybe I'm trying to rush things. Even a ham hand uh, grows back only after one month. So maybe I've got to work uh, work it out. Um, I, I didn't take the prosthetic. That might be what a prosthetic looks like if you're watching the video. Uh, but um, uh, I'm slightly regretting it now because there is, it, there's a lopsided element to it. On one side, it's noticeably nothing there. And then you turn around the other side uh, is, you know, like normal uh, at the moment. And um, it do, I have thinking maybe there's a bit of variety acting it. You know, those uh, old acts that used to be sort of half man, half woman, <laughs> they turn one way and then they turn the other way and they'd be a, a woman, then they turn the other way and be a man. Maybe I can do one where, you know, I turn one way, I'm a five-year-old boy, I turn the other way, I'm a grown, grown man. Just It's a testicle-based variety act. I'm not sure whether that will work out or not. I can't be sure whether I'd be allowed to do that. It seems distasteful. Um, but, um, uh, you know, look, I, I have lost a ball, so I am going to go on. And, and I know every time I say, I tell someone this, they say, have you looked in the last place you saw it? And I'm like, yes, of course I have. They're just trying to help, but it's annoying every single person. They go, oh, have you looked in your scrotum? As if I wouldn't have looked in my scrotum. I say, yeah, my, my scrotum was the first place I looked for it. It's not there. That's why it was weird. But people are odd and they invariably, they say, do you mind if I check? I say, look, it's definitely, I've definitely checked my scrotum. You don't lose a ball and then not look for it in your scrotum. Do you think I'm stupid? And they say, just let me have a feel. You might have missed it. And I go, all right, all right, go ahead. But believe me, it's not there. And they're like immediately, oh, look, I found it. Sometimes you just need a second pair of eyes, don't you? And I say, no, you haven't. That's the other one. And they're all, what, you had two? And I say, yeah, of course. And then they get angry with me. Then what are you complaining about? I say, I don't think I was complaining. I was just stating the fact that I'd lost a ball. But you've still got one ball, yes. So you've still got more than the average number of balls. What do you mean? If you averaged out, most men have two balls. Most women have no balls. There are slightly more women than men. And some men have one or none. So all in all, one ball is above average in the balls department and here you are crying and sobbing about oh i've lost one of my balls you with more balls than an average person has and i say i've had testicular cancer i thought you'd be sympathetic and they say well you were very wrong about that very wrong about it so um, <laughs> good so that's what i'm saying there's a lot of material <laughs> a lot of material to be had. Uh, look, I'm, I'm having chemo on uh, Friday, which sounds scary, doesn't it? But as with all of this thing, uh, it's sort of like the holodeck experience of cancer. And it's a very light chemo. I don't think it'll affect me too much, but uh, we may not be back next week. I mean, you know, if it's really bad, I might never be back, but I think it'll be okay. <laughs> we may not be back next week, but if I'm well enough and not too tired, uh, we will be back next oh week. Oh, my gosh. But let's do this week's show. My guest this week <laughs> oh, has to follow all that talk about balls. And it's quite, and the, the, what she's most famous for is quite apt. Uh, she's probably best known as Dr. Rogers in oh, Footballers yes. Wives Extra Time. Um, what I like about it, that show is that the S of wives is like a dollar sign, even though footballers are generally speaking in the UK. Uh, it's a dollar sign, but the S of footballers isn't a, a dollar sign. And that's what I'm going to be talking to my guest about for the next hour. <laughs> it's the wonderful Andy Osho, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hello. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm so excited to be reminded about that classic role, Dr. Rogers of Footballers yeah. Dollars Wives. 
<laughs> well, and only an extra time. So that was that was that like the late night? Was that the Hollyoaks after dark, slightly sexy? Yeah, version? I think it was on like ITV two before people started watching it as well. So I was really in the corner of the corner of the like <laughs> and. Were you called Dr. Rogers as a sort of uh, carry-on style? <gasps> I just got that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll have to go back and do the whole thing again if you didn't did not realise. I you played it wrong. Like, you were meant to be playing like Sid James. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I will. I will check it out. I didn't. I didn't catch it uh, myself, but I will try and find that. It must be on YouTube somewhere, right? You put it, it's not in it's not in your show reel, I don't think. I look, yeah, I it's weird, isn't it? That yeah. one didn't make it in. I think it got nudged out by insert other obscure role that I've played at some point. <laughs> hey, you've done a I mean, that's what's amazing about you, Andy. I know you your comedy well and I've uh, seen you perform a few times. And I was you know, and I knew I well, you know, I had actually spotted you uh, as I'd mentioned before we started on the on my favourite TV show. Death in Paradise, you know, you may be thinking people are going to pick up on I May Destroy You or some of the some of the highbrow stuff you've done. But I saw you in Death in Paradise. It was it, it was hard to recognize you. You were playing a role uh, unlike I'd seen you before. Uh, and, yeah, I was, um, I was also carrying holiday weight as well. So <laughs> that was that. <laughs> but you are, you are great. And Death in Paradise is my, uh, you know, ultimately, I would like to be the detective, obviously. Right. Um, but I would, you know, it'd be nice to be one of the pasty English men who comes over and <laughs> his friend gets involved in a murder. I tell you what, uh, you want to be a victim. That is yeah. a nice job to get because they fly you over for two weeks and then the victim sort of dies probably like day two. And then they're basically on holiday in Guadeloupe for <laughs> another 10 days. And then they have to do a little bit of filming at the end. It's a very, very nice gig. I have wondered about that. So that's definitely what I'll go for. I've seen, I was watching one the other day with Jason Manford in it. They, oh, they right. do employ quite a lot of uh, comedians. Uh, in the show, usually the the uh, the detective is uh, often been a comedian. Um, true, yeah. So uh, yeah, so that would be. I mean, I just really fancy going and sit. I don't really want to do the filming. I guess fancy sick. Every time I watch it, I just think, oh, I'd love to be sitting in that little bar by the sea drinking beer. So you just want to go to Guadeloupe? Yeah. For, you know, <laughs> okay. and, be pa- and be paid. And, and get be free paid. Beer. Yes. Okay. That is a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I and see what be, you're saying. And try and work out if I'm the murderer or not. That would be yeah, exciting. Yeah. Do they yeah. let you know before? Were you the. Oh, we, we, I don't want to do too many spoilers. You weren't the murderer in your episode, were you? Were you? I. No. It's. I think it's no. been a year since that's gone out. No, yeah. I, I wasn't the murderer. But they made me look very suspicious. They make every, That's the thing. Thing. Yeah. It's a dangerous island to go to. There's always a murder, and I, I don't know why the murderers—they're always so inventive in their murders. I think if they just bat, bat, bash someone over the head and ran away, <laughs> they'd probably get away with it. But they make it look suspicious. There's always three people who are, who are in the frame. It's kind of weird the way it's always exactly the same <laughs> every week. I do want to be on it. I'm, like, not, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. Right. Um, but you know they they go to an island where there's a detective who's very good at sorting out that sort of crime. Yeah, I would say that's the last place to go and do like a convoluted thing where you've worked out a way of making it look like you were. It's always the person who wasn't there, basically. Although they, the last one I saw, they did bump that, and it wasn't the person who wasn't there. But usually, if a person is as far away as possible, right. they did it. 
They did it. Right. That's, that's, that's the death of Paris. <laughs> Whoever seemingly seems the furthest <laughs> yeah. from the crime. It couldn't possibly be there. <laughs> it's them. It's, it's them. them. Okay. Got it, got it, got it. Did you have fun? Was it, a fun? was it a fun job anyway? I know you were working for the full two weeks, but did you have a nice uh, <laughs> bit of time on the beach? I did work the whole yeah. two Well, almost. I mean, we did manage to do a little bit of snorkeling in that. But um, yeah, it's a lovely job, you know. And you, the, the team are like lovely. Ralph, had, I think he just started when we got oh, there. Right. So he was sort of, you know, finding his feet and was great as Neville um yeah i mean i i'd advise you to do it yeah go for it mate (laughs) were you slightly offended at taking you so long to be in it given that it's a show that does employ every single black actor working (laughs) in the uk Right. Where you're waiting by the phone going, when am I going to be on Death in Paradise? Exactly. It's almost like a rite of passage, isn't it, for black <laughs> actors? Like, that's why they have to go through comedians as well, because it's like, oh, we've used up all the black actors, so now it's like, who can we get next? But, um, well, yeah, it's nice to have done it, that's for sure. You've done it, and that's it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what else happens in your career, Andy. You've No one can take Death in Paradise or Footballers' Wives that extra time away exactly. from you. And that, everything else is just gravy. Now, it's quite interesting because you... Um, you you started off well. You started off on the other side of the camera. You were in sort of production and post production and yeah. working on that side. And but yeah. you had had you been to drama school before that as well. You went to a couple of drama schools, right? Well, I studied acting like when I was eighteen. So um, a lot of my friends, we all did similar um, similar courses. But some of them went off to drama school after that to like full time train. But I just didn't think that that was something that I could do. I just I had gaslit myself basically into thinking <laughs> people like you don't get to do stuff like that so I went and got a job working in post-production so it wasn't like years I'd been doing that for like 10 years and that's when I thought you know what I really want to give the acting thing a go and I left my sort of nicely paid job and all the rest it was it was crazy like looking back it was such a mad thing to do but you know you just like you just feel it in you that that's that's what's next I think that happened. That happens to quite a few people. I think they kind of get ten years into a, in a proper job, and if they've been creative or they've always harboured that desire, then you're sort of approaching thirty, and you're thinking, "Is this going to be it?" Yeah. And so it's, and I think when you're still in your twenties or your thirties or your forties, really, you can <laughs> you can still have a crack and go, "Look, I'm going to give this a go." And I think that's kind of quite nice if you've. So I mean, I understand it was a big step, but it's quite nice to establish yourself and get a bit of security and then go, okay, let's just take a crazy risk. Because you could have come back. They'd have had you back, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I was freelancing as well anyway, so I could have, like, you know, (laughs) tricked someone to give me a job in post-production. But, but, you know, it's funny because I was actually approaching... 30 when it happened as well and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a sensible choice of like "Mm, now I've got to this point in my career and I've got a nice little nest egg or whatever I'd like to try acting it was just like I'm so bored right (laughs) I just this is not what I'm meant to be doing what can I do about that and then because I was working on a show where um, there were a load of actors on site. So production and post-production was all on the same site. So I got to know the actors. And I think they're they're responsible for this, basically. <laughs> it's all their fault. So, you know, getting to know them, it made me realise, oh, this is, I could actually do this. I don't know how, but it is something that I might be able to do. Sure. So it was more acting. I mean, you've sort of gone full circle because you started out as an actor and you were you were doing you know you went back, back back to drama school was that was it the first drama the drama with you the course that you were in with Idris Elba it must have been I guess must it was it the, that you was were, when, you, I, when I was eighteen yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah he, so you've um, seen him do okay he was doing all right <laughs> yeah. and I've gone I could do that <laughs> I could be Idris Elba um, and uh, yeah so you you went to to acting first and we're doing you got quite a few roles so what was it that prompted the 
not the move, but also the addition, I suppose, of doing stand up was that was that a thought? I, I, you know, I can get some acting work out of it, or did you suddenly get bitten by the comedy bug? No, I. Um, well, there was two things. One is I love stand up, anyways. But I like a lot of people. I was like, but that's too terrifying. I would never do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I was also not like acting work was basically drying up. And so when I was going for auditions or doing stuff, I was getting terrible stage fright. Like I remember doing um, a, a play reading or something at the Royal Court and just, it's just an invited audience. So there's only about 30 people in the room. And I was tripping over my words and didn't, you know, it was all over the place. And I was like, this doesn't, I can't carry on like this. So what can I do so that I can have a bit more control over my sort of creative life, as it were? Stand up. Okay, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's way too. But then eventually, I I did, um, you know, Logan Murray's infamous course, and yeah, yeah just like st- I just wanted to see how it would go, and I just wanted stage time. I just wanted to be doing, you know, be a bit more in control of things, and then it sort of grew and grew and it took over <laughs> and then the next thing I'm a stand-up then <laughs> yeah well you did very well very quickly because what you decided to stand about 2007 and is that right it's about it's around yeah then, so my it? first gig was on the wibbly wobbly boat in March 2007 and I think by 2010 I think um, I did my first mock the week yeah. and then by 2012 I was burnt out and I was done <laughs> 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 but you've done two live at the Apollos. Yeah. You've done you've done a lot of those shows. Yeah. And so is it really is that the last time you did stand up? I think I saw you at uh, Latitude, I think was the last time I saw you do stand up, which was a would have been a roundabout then. I, I remember yeah. seeing you Yeah, I think that, that sounds about right. I mean the last time I did stand up was probably about I because I went to the States after that, and so I did a little bit there and the LA scene is horrible. So that you know that killed my love of uh stand up as well. But yeah, I probably did that for a couple of years. So I'd say probably around like 2004 something like that was probably the last time I did stand up. 2014. Oh sorry, 14, yeah. yeah, so yeah 2014 yeah. 15 something like that. Yeah. Cool. And so what was it why what why did you stop? Cuz that's kind of quite was it just because the acting was going well and the writing was going well or was it was it know, really that you you had enough of the the, the job? I was done. I was yeah. I was really done. <laughs> It is a hard life, as yeah. you know. It's like it's not it's not for everyone, and it's not just it's not just about being good at the job. It's there's so much more to it that is nothing to do with actually being on stage. And I was, if I'm honest, f- feeling quite uninspired by the industry in the sense of what was possible for me. And it's not to say that what people uh, are doing isn't isn't interesting or whatever. It's just when I saw that path and what was possible out of following that path, I was just like that. That's not that. That's not enough for me. Do you know what I mean? I just don't want to bounce from panel show to panel show to panel show, even though that's great work, obviously, and and it's hugely entertaining for people. It just wasn't right for me. I think stand-up is a craft, and I wanted it to be an art form almost, like the sort of Richard Pryor relationship with it. But to do that, I have to be just doing that and get really good at that. But loads of opportunities thrown in your path, and and I kept biting at them, and they were taking me down this weird path that I didn't want to go down do you know what I mean yeah I do well I think that's interesting I think I know I think that's the state of comedy as well is that it's well actually weirdly I guess acting and writing your own plays which you also do is almost the way to to get into tv and do like a proper sitcom with a bit of oomph to it that's happened obviously two or three kind of more actory uh, people in Fleabag and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I may destroy you and, and, and uh, chewing gum. She did before, didn't she? And it's uh, you know it's it's 
as a comedian, you really are. That's it, isn't it? It's either I let, what I'm going to do is panel shows, even or present a game show, or you know, and, and you're not. That's not really. I sort of. I feel very sad about it because when I started, you know, you'd think, oh, I could get my own show on the radio, and then maybe we'll get a show on TV and we we'll do stand up and we'll do sketches or whatever you want to do, and that just doesn't really seem to be open there for anyone anymore. So, yeah, I can understand why. And you know, I think the acting was obviously going well and the writing was going well and America's beckoning which again seems to be uh, a place where a lot of black actors d- decide to decamp to yep. <laughs> because the UK is doesn't really <laughs> itself has to go to America for example uh, but but lots you know lots of, uh, of of black comedians as well and from the UK have gone across to America and done fantastically well out yeah. there so it's, yeah, it, yeah. it is is there is there a is that a, a, a you know because America doesn't seem like the least racist country <laughs> in the world <laughs> <laughs> to me, but is that does that reflect bad, does that reflect badly on the UK? Is is it is it is it a, is it a problem within the industry? Do you think that? Oh gosh, I mean so, that's such a big topic, isn't it? Because it it's is. it's not out and out that like the UK is terrible and would rather have a white actor do blackface rather than actually hire a black person. It's not that bad, but it is. It, it's just um. It's just a little bit frustrating in terms of the outlook of what's allowed. Like America, as much as they have terrible problems with race, they also um, there's lot there's loads of space for underrepresented groups. Well, they're not so underrepresented anymore in the states. They're not there yet, but there's a lot more space. Whereas I think in the UK, black, you know, black and ethnic minority, I'm not going to say BAME, but, you know, we, we're st- the industry is still figuring out where to place us and also um, allowing us to break out of stereotypical ways of seeing us. You know what I mean? Like it's not all top boy and I'm, there's nothing wrong with top boy or whatever, but we've got to have other you've got to represent us in other ways or give us the space to represent ourselves so we can let you know that we don't all live on council estates and we're not all, do you know what I mean? So, sure. so that's the frustration I think. And, and sometimes I, I guess black performers and artists get a bit frustrated that they can get in, but only through this really narrow lens of perception. So, so, so in the States, you, you can really get cast as any role, really. Mm. And it's much more interesting what you have access to there. But the UK is like not far behind and is learning. It is like people are in the industry making an effort. So I don't want to sort of dog on them and say, oh, you know, it's terrible because it's not. But it's just very different. America's kind of extremes, isn't it? Because they will have a black president and then they will have Trump. It's just like it, it, it's just they go from one to. That's fair, isn't it? It's have a black president and have an anti-black a, a white, president. That a is white fair. nationalist. That is fair. Yeah. You know, it's fair. So that's there, there, there could be nothing more equal than that. <laughs> I mean, that is that's equality right there and then. And how did you find? Obviously, you've come back from America, and so you're in America for three or four years. Or yeah, something like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what was it working out for you? You did a lot of work out there, and you, you were getting roles, and you were in movies and TV stuff. And- yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I think that my biggest takeaway was learning stuff. So I learned about myself. I learned about the industry, and then and then the work was kind of secondary because it wasn't like I was you know flying off the shelf or anything because they got black people there anyways <laughs> so you know so um for me the takeaway was I had space to write my book but also I just learned so much and just I gained a lot of confidence and belief in myself to really trust myself to choose the path that I want to be on rather than just get onto rails that somebody else has get onto you know tracks that somebody else has put down and oh, okay I suppose this is what I'm doing now 
which is kind of how I was with comedy. It's just like, all right, these things are being offered. So obviously I'm supposed to say yes, even though I'm not really enjoying a lot of this stuff. Right. And you've come back and it's, you know, it just, uh, I'd seen the book was out and, uh, but since I've booked you, like, it seems you've sort of exploded everywhere because there's, there's a, there's the podcast you've got as well. And there's, um, we'll talk about all of this. Uh, you've just done the, a really great thing for Comic Relief where you oh, learned gosh. to be an opera singer. Yeah. Uh, your, your, there's, your photo is in line of duty and I'm guessing, hey, it'll be, I'm guessing it's going to be more than your photo. <laughs> but that's like, that's like, a, I that, hope it is. I really is... hope it is. I really hope they went, Andy, can we, oh, can no, we, we just had a lovely day doing loads of different photos. Oh, it was glorious. Jed was there. <laughs> Martin came in to see how we were getting on. <laughs> so that's whatever that is. And I know we can't talk about it yet. It's very exciting. Whatever may be coming there is very exciting. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about the, the Comet Relief thing first, which I just, oh, uh, which was like a terrifying prospect that they just, they took five comedians yeah, comedy and and uh, well, John of Jennifer's Order, I suppose, counts as a comedian, and uh, and you counts as a comedian, uh, and um, Alex funny Brooker people, funny people, I think, on the whole, weren't they? But yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, our, our friend uh, Caroline Quentin, who's been on the show, and Jade Adams, who's been on this show before, um, and just in a genuinely in twenty four hours, you had to learn to sing Ness and Dorma in Italian, is it? I think yes, it is, <laughs> yes, in, it Italian. is in Italian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it did a banging, brilliant job. If you if you haven't seen it, just there's a there's a short uh, thing on YouTube where you can see your reactions to finding out what you had to do. Oh yeah, and then and the fear in your face. You know, all I, of your face. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, it, it probably they the way they cut it, they made it look like fear, but we were all just so moved. It's yeah. not even as like cool and funny as as that it was just like we we because jade said it you know no no one's heard live performance for a year and then we didn't know what was going on so we saw some people down in the stalls and the curtains were down and um then jennifer i think she turned around she's i think something's going on and the curtain went up and there was a full orchestra socially distanced and then the the singers stood up and then the tenor just sang and we just just all burst into tears because it was just so beautiful but and also Nelson Dorma when you take it away from any associations you have with football or whatever it's an incredible piece of music so yeah we were just all a bit overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) Caroline Quentin was like okay I'm off (laughs) and to sort of wipe the mascara away but yeah it was quite a powerful moment yeah and obviously they'd chosen you all knowing you could sing, I, I imagine, because it could have been terrible if you couldn't sing. But had you ever done anything of that level before? God, no. Uh, I mean, you know, the crazy thing as well is I have, like, I've sung in theatre shows, like not musicals, but shows that have a bit of music in them. And I did I did a little show, um, comedy and singing, comedy and songs or whatever, um, at the Vauxhall Tavern one time. But it was nothing like this because... Opera singing is so friggin' technical and it is a whole body thing. It isn't even just about what's happening in your throat. It's totally about, you know, your ribs being in the right place and your diaphragm and your knees being soft and all this sort of stuff. So it was it was a lot to learn. Because they didn't show. Any, well, in the, in the clip I saw, I don't know if there was a, a longer thing, but they, it just cut from you leaving the theatre to you doing the song so right. I don't know, they didn't I didn't see any of the any of the process but it but it, you know because it could, would have been funny if you, you'd not been good at it <laughs> but, and you're sort of expecting 
Uh, you know, yeah, probably it's you know, maybe there'll be a, maybe one of them won't be very good, or maybe none of them will be very good, or maybe. <laughs> but actually, you're all like bang on, um, and like I mean, Jade Adams, I thought. I thought right. they might have put a record on when she came on. Do you know what I mean? It was so astonishing because I know Jade and I know she can sing, but it was just so like an opera singer. It was unbelievable. Oh, she, her and Caroline were amazing. I mean, Richard Curtis came up to us beforehand and said what you just said. Like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. It could go either way. It could be funny if it's a disaster. And we're like, all right, mate, thanks for <laughs> you know, vote of confidence. But, you know, it, as it turns out, everyone was great. I, it, there it was, was just great. such a lovely team to, to, to do that with. And just to put yourself out there way outside your comfort zone, it was a real experience. Well, it's doing it live as well. That's the, you know, it's not even just like, we're going to do it. You're going to do it live if you fuck this up. Oh. That's, that's it. It's live TV. Everyone's going to see, you know, like, I love Alex just did his bit and then the biggest smile you've ever seen anyone get. Oh, when he got brilliant. through it, it was just, you know, so you could, you knew everyone was nervous and you knew you could sense the sort of relief when it all worked out. But yeah, it's great. If, do check it out if you if you oh cool that's really funny I haven't seen it so I didn't know that but yeah I mean because as as the as they gave the countdown because you could hear it in the studio I could because I was all right and then as soon as the countdown started legs started shaking you know what I mean like it was terrifying absolutely terrifying well well done it was and you know rarely for comic relief it was very entertaining (laughs) (laughs) nice Um, on comic relief thank you comic relief are great they're great but (laughs) You know, come on. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's rare that it, it. It's rare, I think, that it like it impresses you. <laughs> I have to say, it is, there's loads of funny stuff on it. There's some stuff. I mean, there's some stuff that's not meant to be funny, right? I don't think you're meant to be laughing at the little films in between. But they don't play those for very, laughs. No. They don't play those for laughs. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sometimes I'm laughing. Um, and uh, your podcast, which is very, you know, I've listened to a couple of episodes of your podcast today, uh, Creative Source. Yeah. And so, where, where, what was the impetus to start this up? Is this this is quite a new thing, right? Or is yeah, this, this during yeah. lockdown? I well, I started doing these as a live stream on Instagram, probably about two years ago now. Right. And so, every Sunday, basically, I would have a conversation with whoever showed up, and we would talk about a different topic to do with being a creative. And then afterwards, I was like, I feel like this has more life in it. And I was going to just take the audio and, you know, put that out as a podcast because I did 50 of them in the end. And then I thought, no, start again, because I was I was kind of conversing with people and chatting and going, oh, hi, Ian, how you doing? You know, which probably isn't going to make great audio like for a podcast. So I thought, start again, start the conversation again and just say what I want to say today about those topics. So it's basically all about creativity and, you know, I take a different topic every week and just talk about it and hopefully help people feel a bit more inspired and like not motivated as in get out there and do it. It's not, I'm not a drill sergeant or or anything like that, but it's more like here's a different way of seeing these different things so that you can empower yourself, that type of thing. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's a very lonely thing and it's maybe especially this year if you're working, Uh, creating something, you know, if you're a writer, writing anything, or if you're, you know, if you're an actor, not acting Mm -hmm. uh, or whatever, you know, it's very lonely. It's really great just to hear those issues that you all have sort of, discussed openly by people who are doing well you know I think that's nice you know you can say look 
you'll go, there's one about rejection and you have Richard Osman on talking about, about that. You think, oh, you know, if Richard Osman has yeah, been rejected right. at some point, <laughs> then there's a, there's a hope for us that we could go on to present, you know, 10 years of TV and write a <laughs> book that sells a million copies in a day or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, totally. So, you know, it's great, you know, it's good to know and it's, and to look at the positives of that. I think that's my sort of take home from, this whole year and everything that's happened to me in the last 12 months mm. is it's sort of understanding the, you know, it's, there's bad stuff, but it's, but it's taken the positives out of the negative situation to learn that lesson, I suppose, is what you've been talking about all the way through about kind of your, your own personal journey. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because the, even though this has been really a really challenging time, there are some positives that have come out of it. Like people, you know, we were talking before about you being able to have guests from different parts of the world. Yeah. That might not have been something that they would have been available to do. We wouldn't have thought to use technology in this way. So that's really good. Yeah. And I, and you know, a weird little thing is I really love seeing people walking. Like just like families out walking because it's so like back to basics because life was so like 100 miles an hour before. So seeing people like there is literally nothing to do. <laughs> like we've, we've completed Netflix. You know what I mean? Like the, all there is is to just like hang out with your stupid family and go for a nice walk. So that's really lovely to see. I've really enjoyed that. And I've started doing it myself. I try and like do that every day just to be out and, you know, fresh air and be amongst people or whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's true. You know, it's that, and it's as a having kids, it's been you know, it's been hard at times to look <laughs> after them all the time and not have schools and all that sort of stuff. But it's been really terrific as well for for just spending more time together and the kids spending more time together and become you know becoming a more of a unit most of the time. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> they have their moments, but you know, it's been yeah. The, I mean, that's it. To look at the positives and to you know, when when you have something. And obviously, a lot of people had to cope with really terrible things this year, either being ill themselves or losing uh, family members. But it's but it's sort of again, it's <clears throat> it's about I guess understanding how fragile everything is and making the most of it while we've got it as well. You know, so it's my own little personal journey. I've been over the last two months. Just sort, I've come out of it feeling like so, so much happier. I think in a way oh, than I was wow. before because I just sort of feel got you know like I'm not hopefully not going to die. But there was a point where I thought, oh, is this going to kill me? And and you sort of just appreciate what you've got and how lucky you are, you know, whatever that is, I think. So it's, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully it's difficult to know. It's difficult to know whether we'll all uh, come out of it and everything in a, in a year's time, everyone will finally <laughs> collapse and everything will fall apart. Or, as again, we were saying before the podcast, whether it will turn into a sort of, I mean, I, you didn't use the word fuck fest, but I think that's, I think that's where we, I think that's where we're <laughs> Hopefully, I'll turn to a massive fuck fest, and uh, they'll let yeah. married people join in with that for a, for three or four months, and then you've you earned back, it. Then you have to go back to your uh, your lives. respective lives. Yeah, um, well, yeah, sure, fuck fest. Why not? <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. <laughs> We're talking a fuck fest. Oh yeah, uh, we do. We do have a <laughs> we do have a similar backstory in our comedy shows. Oh yeah, uh, in that um, what your 2011 show I think in, yeah. was about dating. Oh right, and yeah, you yeah, would yeah. and you would uh, and I'm not saying it was a fuck. So it wasn't a good link. Uh, and uh, you you went on dates with someone from your audience after every show. Yeah, um, I did a show. Uh, it was a different idea uh, in 2004. Where I, for the show, I dated fifty women in fifty consecutive nights. So it's a very similar thing, except I, did, you know, it wasn't part of the show. It was part of the show in the end, but it was before the show. So yeah, so. sure, sure. So I had that experience of going out with loads of different people in a very what short. Did you learn time. from that? That is fascinating. Yeah. Well, it was it was good. I th- it was it was good and it was terrible. I mean, I, got, I was very ill afterwards because I just was dr- drinking every night and getting pissed every night and and, uh. and and staying out as late. I sort of made rules for myself and you know, I, and which I basically stuck to, which was as long as they wanted to carry on the date, I would carry on. Oh uh, right, <laughs> that's not a rule. That's just being out. <laughs> well, you know, but I would, I would, I, would, I got very tired and. But also, I met. I was very sort of shy about acting, asking people out or getting getting into relationships with people if they made it really clear they fancied me before that. And with this, and I was really nervous even about doing this, and even though it was stupid, and it, and but because it was sort of like a game and it didn't matter, I just went on fifty dates with fifty not exactly random people, but friends of friends and people oh, okay. who were single, uh, you know, and occasionally uh, whatever someone I didn't know at all. Uh, and you know you would just and you weren't because you were, there was no expectations about it, and because you'd spend an evening with someone, you'd often have a really good time. With them. So it uh-huh. became massively confusing because I met. I basically had to then go on around a second dates with quite a lot of them, and <gasps> you know, so I oh, was you guilt dated them. I was occasionally, but all, but it was you know, but also because you, I, it made what we made realize is like being honest in relationships is absolutely the best thing. Okay, and I think yeah. a lot of men, especially think they have to lie and that they think women are a different breed and are yeah. looking for something different but if you look if you want to date 50 people in 50 nights don't do it it's insane but if you <laughs> want to do it then if you as long as you're honest with everyone who's who's doing it and saying you know this is what's going on that's it's fine they want to do it that's fine it's if you're dating 50 women in 50 nights or 50 men in 50 nights and not telling them. <laughs> Do you know, is that, is that, cause I'm, I'm picking up on what you said about men feeling like they have to lie. Cause yeah. I'm just like, you know, playing back some of my sort of um, yeah. dating history. Do you think that's a thing for guys that they think that they have to say things that women want to hear? 
I think, well, this is me and I'm a bit, obviously I'm a bit older than people who are dating now. I feel my generation were brought up as men to think like that women were there, you know, were sort of like this wall of resistance and they would, they didn't really want to, they didn't really want to have sex or, or be with you. And you had to, you had to persuade them or trick, you know, you look at all the films in the eighties and nineties, the romantic comedies, it's kind of people tricking people into going out, right. the, you know, lying about who they are and, uh, you know, and I think it took me ages to realise, you, know, you know, obviously people are, uh, it's everyone's in a spectrum, it doesn't matter what gender you are, is, you know, some people want to be with one person and want to wait till they're married, but most people are, are um, some people want to have sex with everyone they meet, most people are somewhere in between that, yeah, and, you know, yeah. and women aren't, you know, women obviously, it just took me ages to realise that, <laughs> I think that you know it. It was that that women were were the same as men in that They're way. Just I think a, I think a lot of men don't a lot. Well, I think exactly if you're honest about it. But I think you think I think you're made to think. Oh, women will want a commitment. I was weirdly as a young man. I was I was very into the idea of commitment, and I but it was right. my parents. My parents had met when they were thirteen, and they're still together, and they're eighty three oh, wow. now. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Um, and so. um I kind of thought that would be it. So I was actually quite prudish and um, and really believed my first girlfriend would be my wife and all that sort of stuff. So that was that was my backstory a little bit. But I think realizing that, yeah, I've realizing that just being upfront and honest because you also I also realized all the people who'd hurt me in relationships had lied to me. You know, just they right. they'd been with you know something else had been going on, and if they just said oh, something else is going on, you go okay, well I have to. Uh, work right. out with you know what I mean and so it's just realizing it's about the empathy and I think a lot of men aren't taught uh empathy a lot of men don't think of the world like that and hopefully they're getting better and this you know again I'm still talking about 2004 when I did this thing but that was I, I realized lots of things what about you it was a slightly different thing because you were you were dating men from your audience and presumably in quite a controlled and small way I mean, you went at what you'll go out for a drink with them after the show or did you yeah yeah so basically um and a lot of times they were volunteered <laughs> they weren't yeah. necessarily volunteering themselves and then we go for a drink in because I was at the courtyard so um yeah we just go for a drink in one of the marquee bars that have been set up there and and actually my rule was that they put the drinks out beforehand and so mine was a tonic water dressed up to look like a gin and tonic or whatever and they had a pint of beer and we just I think we'd have like two drinks and then that was it right but then the only the only thing is is like on the Friday night it was so heaving in the courtyard that I had to start we had to start going elsewhere because the bar would like set a little reserve you know reserve a table for us and so you know it was really straightforward grab the drinks from the bar go and sit down done but on the Fridays because it was so busy we had to go somewhere so then it really felt like I was leaving the (laughs) sanctum of the courtyard you know what I mean it's just like I'm just gonna text all my friends and let them know where I'm going you know so and then yeah so that was a little bit weird but there was one guy I remember he was uh, he was quite young actually and I thought oh he's actually really nice but he had to go and meet his family afterwards so he's he's he was like one of two people that I thought oh I think I sort of think I found it interesting that when you know, especially with not really trying to match up with people that you want to match up with, and just like random, really, it was just like who who do you know who'd be up for this? And it, but but actually, the number and the meeting because I would do like a whole evening with people uh, or or day a whole day sometimes, uh, and uh, you know you'd meet them and go yeah, no, this person's not my type at all. You know, mm. this is we'll just have a fun time. 
but actually spend a couple of hours, two or three hours with someone and really get to know them. And you kind of go, oh, no, actually, I really like this person. And right. you wouldn't have immediately, I would never have chosen to go out with them. It was just ma- massively confusing. And it, I'm not saying it wasn't fun, uh, but it was. <laughs> I did end up going out with one of them for about a year afterwards. Uh, wow! End. But it but it took quite a long time to get down to get down to one. So. And narrow, <laughs> narrow it down. <laughs> and then it did it didn't work it. out, but it but but it made me much more open to try and just go, you know, just to go on dates, yeah. which I think is an American. You know, I think that's that's why you'd have in Scotland, and I know with a largely probably English audience, I think men are very reticent about. That's what I think men think that if you're asking a woman on a date, then you sort of ask them to marry you. And, you know, it's not, you can't just go, let's go out for a night and see it. You know, but we've, I thought of all the nights in my 20s that, um, that I just stayed in the house on my own, that you could have just gone, let's go out go, with yeah. any single person in the world because, hey, you might meet them, but it's still better. You might meet someone, but you, you're still better than just sitting at home on your own playing civilization. You, you're right. <laughs> You're right yeah, about the cultural. No, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're right about the cultural thing, though, because I think we need more of that American style dating. Let's just hang out, go for some drinks, have dinner and not have any idea where it's going or any um, a sort of attachment to a second date or yeah. whatever comes next, you know, because we, we don't really do that. We We just sort of stagger back to theirs and the next thing you're living together <laughs> so, a little bit of well that's what you moment. do in your routine you talk about not having dated for four years but you know but that whole thing <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah. Say I, haven't, <laughs> I don't say I haven't got drunk and gone back to someone's house yeah. but um you know but it's it is that's a very British it's a very British thing and then sometimes those sort of hookups will turn out to be something yeah. and sometimes they could have turned out to be something if they hadn't been sort of ridiculous drunken hookups so I found it all very interesting but I find it interesting that you you must have made a choice to be single really be, through those times when you were saying you hadn't was that true you hadn't dated for four years or was that a, yeah. a comedy bit no no I mean it was longer than that actually because uh, I think it got to 10 years in the end. Right. Um, um, it was just the way it went. And it wasn't, f- well, I could say it's not for want of trying, but I probably I was doing something <laughs> to sort of repel people. But um, yeah, it's just the way it went. I was thinking the other day that uh, for me, there, it, I don't know if relationships fit. I, I genuinely, you know, you just have a, a, a conversation with yourself about stuff. And you know, maybe that I'm not cut out for that, whatever it is. And for me, I'm just like, maybe I'm genuinely not cut out for relationships because they don't stick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's, well, it may be true, Andy. I think, I you know, I think I was the same though. You know, I'm thinking like until I, I was ready to for a relationship when I met my wife. but it, But when I met my wife, it was like, it was suddenly quite different even than the more serious right. relationships I'd had before it was mm-hmm. it was there was something that you know I wanted to like change my right. entire lifestyle <laughs> because my lifestyle especially when I was coming at the 40 was like that probably at my my sort of most uh uh What's the word? <laughs> Most uh, yes, <laughs> you know, bacchanalian. Is that the right word? I'm not trying, but it was you know, I was I was out having a good time as I approached forty, and also, but but also like there was something in me that was deeply wrong you know I was I was unhappy I think Uh so I think I think I kind of needed to find the right person and then suddenly it sort of made sense but I would have said you know certainly through my 20s I thought you know I'm not really had a couple of girlfriends in my 20s I think but you know not that I 
it was, you know, I thought maybe I'm not, that's not going to happen to me uh-huh, in the same uh-huh. way. So, you know, I think you never know. I mean, I think it must be, it must be a choice you're making. Um, you're a very intelligent and articulate and attractive woman. So you, there, there should be no problem with you, uh, yeah, finding people. But those aren't the things, are they really? So, it's, but it's, some, it's something other than that, because otherwise, why did Jay Z cheat on Beyonce? Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying on Beyonce, but like, you know what I mean? If she can get cheated on or have a dodgy relationship or whatever, yeah. then that doesn't, that can't be it. <laughs> the, the attractive well, it sort of intelligent bit can't be it. I think that all that sort of stuff is a, is a, well, no, but it's getting into the relationship, you know, whether people cheat on people is another issue. That's but true. I think, but That's get, true. getting into the relationship, deciding to have a relationship, I think, it, you know, it's interesting and it's interesting you did a show about it. And I've, I've seen that a few times people doing, doing, you know, and obviously I've done, it wasn't the show, my show in the end wasn't really about, about that, which it should, that should have been the show. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's obviously, it's interesting to see that but yeah but equally there's no reason you have to be in a relationship and there's no reason you know that that in a lot of ways i think in the modern world you know less people should be in relationships because we got think you're right. the world <laughs> uh, you know to be honest with you i also in my mind i associate them with trouble like like i've got life just down you know what I mean like I just got things sorted I have to, I do things my way and I like the thing Whoopi Goldberg said is like they, someone asked her like why is she not in a relationship or why hasn't she got married again and she was like I don't want anyone else in my house <laughs> it's just like do you know babe I get you I don't want anyone in my house either <laughs> I do you know I, I I can absolutely see it and I but it's sort of interesting because you're I found it your, your book which I'm about halfway through I've listened to the audiobook and it's not the kind of book I think I would usually have uh-huh. picked up in this a romantic comedy <laughs> but but it's got a bit way it kind of made me wonder why more comedians a lot of comedians have written like kids books but mm-hmm. not many comedians have gone into writing that sort of romantic comedy relationship style books and you would think they would because so many comedians <laughs> acts are about that yeah uh, and it's really you know it's clever what you've done and it's you know it's 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 beyond what people would do in a stand-up act and it's a complicated story about three friends and their various uh their various sort of dating disasters and trying to sort that out but it's quite you know it's a romantic book where i've heard you say that all three characters are, are based on you but they're all quite different yeah 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 so i um I'm not there yet in terms of like people being interested in an autobiography. So I thought it would be nice as well to just take like, like little parts of my life and who I am and put that in the book. So the oldest one is definitely me now. She's kind of a bit shut off to love. The middle one is very, so she's in her thirties and she is just like desperate to find love. And she keeps thinking, Oh, this guy's the one, this guy's the one. And the youngest one is, is 29. So she's very, she compartmentalizes everything. She's got a plan. She knows how she wants her life to play out. And not all of them are going to get, they get wake up call in different ways because of where they're looking from um, yeah. through the course of the book. But I also like, I wanted to write something that was kind of, that spoke to female friendship as well and just the truth of it so it's kind of a bit of a romance about female friendship as well as about sort of intimate relationships as well yeah and was that something you always wanted to get into because it's you're a very clever woman right I have to say this you've won (laughs) you've won mastermind twice and that's not even possible 
That's that's actually true. Yes, <laughs> so I, I didn't. I'm very jealous. I didn't win the time I was on, and I was, and I'm very clever. You are uh, very clever. So I'm very annoyed that you've got two. <laughs> You're, you're infinity times better than me with one, uh, but uh, yeah. So, it, and it's a, it's, you know, it's writing a book is hard, right? And I saw you talk about yeah, writing, yeah. talking about the creative, the creative process of writing, and saying, you know, you've just got to get that first draft out, and then, mm. and then start writing the book. Um, but it's, it's a big undertaking, right, to write a, a book, and it's, it's, is, is that, is that what if, if you wanted to do that for a, a long time? I know you've been writing plays and uh, TV stuff. Is is a novel it, that it were it wasn't it wasn't in the sense of you know people talk about oh you know everyone's got a book in them and all that so I wanted to give it I've always wanted to give it a go but there's never really been time but then I happened to meet a great agent who hooked me up with a great publisher and so you know they were really keen to I, I pitched them the idea and they were really keen to to go with it so I was like okay shit now I've got to write a book oh wait first I've got to learn how to write a book so <laughs> even though you know your fantasies about uh you know being a novelist the the mechanics of actually doing it my god I mean that's the, it's definitely the hardest creative thing I've ever done because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing I mean most of the time I don't know what I'm doing but I particularly <laughs> didn't know what I was doing with this thing so um yeah I did want to do it but I just didn't know how and I didn't know what I was letting myself in for yeah and it's great that you do the 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 audiobook because we get you know there's it's a funny it's a funny novel and it's not just funny it's uh, you know it's a, it is as you say about relationships and you know there's there's a there's a lot to it but it's nice to hear the author not every author could perform their own book as, as well as as you could as well I suppose was there was there was that ever a question that you were you wouldn't gonna do it yourself well uh, only probably halfway through when I was like <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing again um it's kind of daunting actually because it, I suddenly realized like how responsible I am for communicating the story to the listeners yeah like this is a real thing <laughs> it's I've got to treat this <laughs> like a job you know what I mean rather than just me reading out my book and spotting like titles or whatever it's like a <laughs> yes. proper proper thing so um but I really I wanted to do it because I know these women so well and I know the story so it felt like to me it felt like natural that I I would read it but I get how other authors would want somebody else to as well they, you know they've done their bit do you know what I mean I just yeah. want to you might just want to relax now rather than then have to do like an audio voice recording thing it's a hard you know my book that I've just done is a short book I think comparatively it's only like 25,000 words and that still took two days to record. So you must have been doing like a sort of week's worth of recording. Where you oh, yeah, it was a you week. Never, yeah. Yeah. And you, and the, the funny thing is, is even though I wrote it, I was still tripping up over stuff again. <laughs> oh, wait, what did I, what did I, no, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let me just sit again. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I can do this. I can do this. Producer was so patient with me. Bless them. But uh, yeah, it's not a given that you'll, you'll know what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to ask some emergency questions. We did some before. Great. Uh, yeah, you were good. It was good for the badgers. They're going to love it. Um, I'm going to ask you, have you ever seen a ghost? That's oh, my very important question for that's you. That's really interesting. Do you know, I've been asked that a few times and I wish I could say yes, because uh, I do believe in them as uh, in theory. Yeah. But I've never seen one. I do not want to see one. I don't <laughs> want to experience one. I don't want to experience anything supernatural. I am like the most susceptible person when it comes to films based on the supernatural. Right. So even just this conversation has given me the heebie-jeebies. That's where I'm at with it. So. Well, you can't see my spooky. I've got a very spooky <laughs> attic behind it. I know you haven't got. I know you haven't got a Union Jack. 
up in you behind you. I don't know if that's no. It's you, easy. Just, just do you hate the... Britain? Is you hate? Do you hate Britain? Because I love Britain. No, my 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 portrait of the Queen, which yeah. is ceiling to floor. Okay, may I say it's just over here. So whatever. Because right. yeah. I've got quite a big uh, flag back there. Well, I've also got her diversity officer, a picture of them right beside right beside her, keeping it real. <laughs> Good. Uh, I and um, uh, let me. I've got. Oh, if. Uh, uh, I'll ask you this: If you yes. could, if you had a finger that could travel through time, where would you send your finger to, and what would it do? In in any, it could go in the future and go into the past. Oh, which what finger? It, well, any finger of your choice. There's just a finger-sized hole to the past. You can go back and alter time with your finger, so you could just put your finger in and change something, or just feel feel something in history. Okay, wanna, I think what... what I might do is I might just. Go back to when Justin Timberlake ripped off Janet Jackson's like thing. <laughs> yeah. Put put my thumb across and save her dignity. Save everyone a lot of trouble. She wouldn't get cancelled. Yeah. Right. He'd yeah. be he wouldn't have to like do some weird grovelly apology. <laughs> Everyone's a winner. Yeah, that's that's good. Not that far back in his, you know. I suppose, I suppose Martin. It's probably like twenty years or something, isn't it? Well, I suppose it's a while now, actually. Yeah. I mean, that is history. You're right. We're so old. We're so- <laughs> We are. It's all. It's all too terrible to, to worry about. Uh, and uh, this is a, a newer emergency question that isn't in the book. Um, if you could, if all the world's art galleries and museums got together and said, "We love Andy, mm-hmm. and we're going to let her have one thing of her choice from any museum or art gallery in the world, and she can keep it," I can see you're already. You've you've got a lot of taste. I can tell just from the colour scheme of your wall. On you, the wall. You've got a lovely painting up there that's probably worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. Ikea's finest. <laughs> um, what, which, is there something you would like from a museum or an art gallery that you Other would like than to the own? box office take. You um, could take that. You could take that. I don't <laughs> no, know if they've no, got no. lots of money. In there. They, they oh, if you they, want money, you know, just take an expensive painting and then sell it. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm not right. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. What, mm, this is difficult. Yeah. Jewelry. Do I want jewelry? There's a lot of jewelry. Well, you know, there's some nice jewels. There's uh, Tutankhamun's jewels. They're probably quite nice. Um, they're quite like some of There's some stuff in the... I saw the Tutankhamun exhibition, uh, well, just before lockdown, I guess it was, or maybe the year before. And there's some really good, fantastic, big sort of guard statues. There's a little pencil case. I'd quite like oh, Tutankhamun's pencil, case. Oh, I love Tutankhamen's I love, pencil case. I love stationery. Yeah, I'll take yeah. that. I'll take the pencil case. <laughs> That's I'm good. a woman of simple simple needs. I'll take the pencil case. Done. That's good. And uh, how many cheese graters do you own in, in your house? Um, I did have three or four, but I'm, yeah. I'm down to one. But one like that's like a hexagon shape, so it's got all the different. Yeah, I've, mean, got, I've got one. Yeah, I've got yeah. two of those, yeah. and I've got. Um, I don't eat cheese. That. I'm doing pretty well. That's all I'm saying. I've got quite a lot of cheese graters. Is it? What okay. happened to the three or four? Is did they break the three or four? Did you lose them, or did you give them just um, give them to other people? Normally I like Ikea, but this is a fail on their part. It was one of those ones where it was like a Tupperware, but instead of it being a lid, it was a grater. Yeah, I've got one of those as well. Uh, I don't like it. No, No, I don't don't use it. No, exactly. There you go. So, yeah. Did you get your fingers? It's a bit more likely to catch your fingers, I think, as well. I don't know what it was about. It was like, you're trying to make the whole grating game too complicated. (laughs) Don't try and be clever. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just that's a that's a question that sees, shows whether you're keeping it real and whether you're still a normal person despite all your success. And having one greater is, you know, that's, yeah. that's pretty down to earth and normal. Uh, and talking of audiobooks, I'll ask you this question, and then we'll go back to talking about you. Ah. Um, 
if you could have any one from the past before there were audiobooks to do their own audiobook. Oh, okay. Like, so, you know, you know, go back in time before their audiobooks, before their recordings. Is there anyone you'd like to hear? Oh, I mean, it could be someone who just hasn't done their own audiobook who's alive. Right. Is there right, anyone right. you would like to, is there any uh, author that you would like to hear read their own audiobooks? Someone must have said the Bible if you've asked that before. Well, I don't know if they, ha- what, so written, read by God or read oh, by the people yes, who wrote? yes, read yeah. by God. No, I don't want to hear the people that wrote it. I want to hear in God's, I want to hear what God's accent is. <laughs> yeah. Like, does he, does he have like a, you know, Middle Eastern accent or is it more of this like indecipherable, omnipotent sort of vibe he's got going on? Like, what, yeah. what, what, what's the tone? I wonder as well, it'd be the same when, you know, what you mentioned when you read your own book over for an audio book, you notice all the mistakes. <laughs> I wonder if you go, oh, fuck, why did I do that? That was bad when I did that to Job. What was I thinking? I meant like just sparkling water into like still water, not wine. Like, I come duh. across crazy in some of this stuff. And I, I seem so vengeful. What's up with that? Guys, I'm a really nice person. All right, let me go again. Sorry, sorry. My bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. Cool. And so what, what's coming up in the future, Andy? There's, uh, is there more acting roles on the way? More books? More podcasts, you yes, know, a blog, all, all 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 of those things, Richard. Yeah. That's that's my life right now. Yeah. So um, you're right. Are you writing a new book? Is, is it with the same characters or with new characters? No, new world, new yeah. characters. So I'm just um, uh, what two thirds of the way through the first draft of it. Again, Great. it takes a really long time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's horrible writing books. It's the worst, it, and I just write stupid books. And it's horrible. But it's still it's still tough, isn't it? It's it just is, like it you is. just literally. The thing is, you just have to sit down and do it there's no sort of fast tracking I mean there's no fast tracking with any sort of creative stuff really but particularly with books you literally have to write all the words they have to be good words that people like <laughs> and will understand so yeah so I'm in but the middle I, of doing that I think it's like I think again it was uh, forgive me if this wasn't you because I've been reading a few things but I think today I, I, that you were talking about how it's very easy when you're writing to kind of just fixate on the one bit you're doing in the first oh. draft and try and get it put rather than just spewing it out. And yeah. that's what I find very hard. I'll just like be, I'll be stuck for days and then go, oh, look, just even just if you write blah, 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 and then go on to the next bit. Mate. Don't just try and make every little bit perfect as you go the first time. When I gave my permi- myself permission to have placeholders, and really got that as an idea of like a way to just like keep the keep the writing flowing. It just changed everything. So someone said to me, um, was it in Ain't No Sunshine? The I know, I know, I know, I know is a placeholder. All right. They were gonna, you know, he meant to write some words, <laughs> some, some different <laughs> words than he had already used. But it, so placeholders work. Like yeah. all the, sometimes they can be just good enough. I am gonna, my book is gonna be filled with I know, I know, I know. That could work. Yeah, good work. Good. So, yeah. I think it's weird because sometimes you do get into a, you know, usually for me it's when the deadline is two days away. Mm. And then suddenly I can write very easily and very quickly and, and, and it comes out pretty good. But it's like with stand-up as well. I think sometimes you come up with a routine that on stage and it just falls out of your mouth and it's mm. sort of perfect. And sometimes you sit at home trying to make that work and, and actually you'll just get up on stage and the right words will suddenly come out on stage in the heat of the moment. And I... I guess for me, it's always just for me, it's always deadlines and, you know, forcing myself to do things where I have to be creative. It does focus the mind. <laughs> if you're improvising life, <laughs> uh, then you kind of have to get going with it. Right. And also, before you go, we'll let you go in a sec. because You've been lovely giving, giving up your love, your time. It's been a this. pleasure. 
do buy the book. Uh, it's called Asking for a Friend. I don't think I've even said that. Oh, no, we didn't say that, did we? Um, yeah. uh, and uh, it's, you know, blokes don't buy it. No man is going to read it. But all the girls out there. <laughs> it's for the ladies. I, I, I enjoyed it. I did, it meant to <laughs> open yourselves up to your empathy. It'll help you guys. No, it's really good. Um, you're a Reiki teacher. I don't know what Reiki is. Oh, gosh. I might have to remove that. Um, where is that? On uh, on Wikipedia or something? I think it might be on IMDb. Oh, right, IMDb. Yeah. yeah. Well, is I that did that true? years ago. No, it's totally true, but I don't know if I could still do it. I mean, in theory, you never you never lose the power, but um, you, I think you have to be practicing regularly, but um, it's like kind of um, sort of energy healing thing. Yeah. That, uh, but, you, yeah, I think you have to be practicing. I'm more in the um, taking the mickey out of it now. <laughs> rather than the actually doing it <laughs> but you're sort of you're quite a spiritual person without i don't know if you are religious i don't get the vibe that you're religious but you've you've, you've sort of feel from the stuff i've read about you to be quite spiritual and to be quite into that sort of self-improvement and that sort of thing yeah. so is it, is it is it part of that strand of your yeah for sure i mean i i just uh, i like I don't know anything, but I'm curious <laughs> about stuff. That's the thing yeah. for me. And I just can't quite reconcile that this is, this is it. This is the limit of, of, of the human experience is just the material stuff. I think that's part of it, but I think there's more to it than that. And I, and I'm interested to find out what that is, but I don't want to, um, you know, have finite answers. I, I think being in the question is so much more I- interesting than knowing the answers. And maybe that's all we're here to do is just to be in this constant question. But people don't like not knowing. They like, they like <laughs> you know, I know. <laughs> and so that's why we always argue about stuff. But yeah, yeah that's my thing is that I just like to be in the question. But that's why you, you know, that's why you gravitated towards stand up because that's sort of stand up's all about asking questions and not having to give answers, really. I think it's, it's, it's pointing out where the the world is wrong and where things are silly, but it's not. It very rarely gives any answers, and if it does, it's not any. They're not, they're any not good answers. They're no <laughs> they're not answers to, to live by. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very. Look, you're, I think you're an amazing. You're a force of nature. You're doing so well in so many different uh, different disciplines. It's 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 incredible, uh, and Thank I wish you. you very good luck with all of these things, and uh, hope we see you. You know, doing some non-photograph acting soon. <laughs> that would be good if you are moving. If you're moving around, that that's the next. Do you know what the they next. did with? Because so one of the things that I did on the show was like I because I, you know I'm a, a journalist, so they, one of the bits of archive footage that we shot, they put a link to it as Morse code on the box of ibuprofen that Steve. <laughs> Uh, Arnold bought in the, and someone found it really yeah I didn't even know but they tagged me on Twitter and I was just like the hell these people are good <laughs> like there's all little easter eggs all over the place not then not it's not just about the chizzes it's like there's a lot of, there's a lot going on well I haven't I'm probably the only person in the country who hasn't seen a single second of Line of Duty oh, right, so do, you don't know what I'm talking do, about at no all. I do but I've, I've heard so many people talking about it I still know all about what's in it <laughs> but I uh but I am, you know, it sounds like a great series and it is one of these, it is one of these universal shows, which is hard to get now where yeah. pretty much everyone has seen it. So it's a, it's a really big deal. And I'm delighted that, uh, you know, I'm delighted, even if you are just a photograph, which I'm sure you <laughs> I mean, you're Thank listed you. in IMDb in every episode. I don't know if they're just 
flashing the photo around. The I don't know who did that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're putting your Reiki teacher in there. I know exactly, sort of exactly. Like they're putting us off. Well, no, I, I'm sure there will be much more from you, and it's uh, it's really terrific to see you. A back in the UK, but also sort of exploding everywhere so go and buy those books listen to the podcast and uh check out all those fantastic shows thank you very much andy uh, we'll be back next week probably uh if you're watching on twitch we'll definitely be back next week if you listen to the podcast i don't know who my guest will be it's all dependent on health okay. issues we'll see Aww. it might be my i'm trying to persuade my wife to do one but we'll see yes, we'll see, that'll be we'll see brilliant. That. it'll be fun wouldn't it i mean yeah. it might not be brilliant andy it might be the end of our marriage no, don't say that. <laughs> just, it will be brilliant. If we start, what if we start arguing like we argue when you know when the camera's not on us? It, uh, that no. will be brilliant. I'll be tuning. I'll be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for the amazing Annie Show. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Rahala Stapo with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Andy Osho. Thank you to Pest for providing the music. I am also indebted to my friend and producer, Chris Evans, not that one, who does fantastic work in keeping these going, and to Ben Walker, who's helping us with all the ads, but is also a fantastic part of our amazing team, especially when we get back into the real deal in the real theatres. Um... Become a badger, go faster, slash badges. Why not? It's fun, it's free, it's fun. Oh no, it's not free, it costs money. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Thanks everyone, I love you all. Testicular cancer, be aware of it. Aphantasia, be aware of that as well. There was, I don't know if there's a month for that, it probably is, but I can't imagine when it would be. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash 
ball backslash tour or richardkane.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>